Winner, winner, chicken dinner! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello and welcome back to the Action Network podcast. I'm your host for the Golf Edition, Peter Jennings, and as always, joined by Drew Stoltz, aka the Sleaze, and Jason Sobel. And it's a very special week, boys. Another major, our final major of the year, which is pretty crazy. I feel like the Masters was yesterday, but we're here. Sobel, I'm going to kick to you first. We saw some interesting things happen in the golf world. The European tour was big, the John Deere. Just a real quick recap and what you're taking going into the Open Championship. Yeah, so I worked on a piece last week, Peter, going into the Open, and that's the big decision week. Uh, you know, not too many guys play before the Masters now since they moved from Houston to the Texas Open in San Antonio. And uh, before the PGA isn't a real big one now. It used to be the Bridgestone before the PGA when it was uh, in August, but not really now and not really before the U.S. Open. But it was kind of decision week coming into this one. Do you play the Scottish Open? Not too many guys are playing the John Deere Classic. And uh, I went and did some research and found that of the winners, of, of the last 40 winners of major championships the last 10 years, uh, winners have played 61% of the time. Not really a big deal. So, okay, you know, it's kind of not really coming to a major conclusion there. But what I did find is that those who did play the week before played really well the week before. So I think what we start looking at uh, based off last week is you're, you're looking for guys who are in form. And that's nothing new. That's nothing that should shock us or anything like that. But uh, if you're looking at guys who played, especially the Scottish Open last week, uh, let's look at the guys who are at least in the top 25 or so and not guys who uh, were way back and missed the cut. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, we can cross some guys off that didn't play as well. Sleeves, I'm just devastated you're not in the field. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't quite get on a flight over there to, to Europe. Lucky for those fuckers because my game is built for links, dude. Slash and gouge. It's like bomb and gouge, but it's slash and gouge. That's what I'm known for. A lot of crafty plays, a lot of moving the ball around, keeping it on the ground, ground and pound. It's what I'm known for. So, yeah, maybe next year. I'm, looking, I'm holding out for sponsors for the British and the Masters next year. So, change of address. They have my new address now. Next year, I should be in. Perfect. Speaking about the course, you're obviously joking, but the course itself, it definitely is a classic open and... I think people are looking at these European guys, guys who play the ball a little bit lower, know how to bounce the ball into these greens. Sobel, what what are your thoughts on the course and what type of golfers are you targeting? Like you said, classic golf course. I I think it's uh, going to be everything we're used to seeing at a a Lynx golf course. Weather is going to determine the scoring. If we get some uh, calm weather, some sunshine, it's not raining sideways, uh, you're going to see some really good scores out there. I, I spoke with Ricky Elliott uh, not too long ago, about a week and a half ago. He, of course, is Brooks Kepka's caddy. He, of course, grew up at Royal Port Rush, knows the course as well as anybody, grew up playing there with Graham McDowell. And he told me, he goes, look, it's kind of what you see is what you get. He's like, really, there's not much they can do to stop these guys if the weather doesn't come through, if the wind isn't blowing 15 to 20 miles an hour, other than hiding the pins in a couple of corners. And he said, I think the RNA will do that throughout four days, but there's only so much hiding you can do. At some point, these guys are going to get to even some tough pins. So uh, unless we get the weather, I, I think this is going to be a pretty big uh, double-digit under par kind of score. But again, you never know. And I love the weather reports, guys. I, I absolutely always love the weather reports at the Open Championship. They're like, well, it's going to rain. It's going to be windy unless it's sunny and calm. Because it might be that too. And it might change. I, I remember, guys, a couple years ago at St. Andrews, uh, we had a, a half-day weather delay 
because at the far end of the golf course, it was blowing 40 and it was blowing balls off the green. And I was at the other end of the course by the clubhouse where it was perfectly sunny. It was like 70 degrees and sunny and the wind wasn't blowing at all. It's unbelievable how different the wind can be on one side of the course from the other and how much it changes from five minutes to the next five minutes. So, uh, Sleaze, I, I don't know about you, but I can't wait. I, I'm hoping it's raining sideways and the wind's blowing 70 miles an hour because that's awesome when we get to see that. Yeah, dude, I want it to be a classic US, or sorry, classic Open Championship. Got to use the proper vernacular, but I, I really hope that we get some weather out there. Those Lynx golf courses are built for weather, and when they don't get it, they're really susceptible to low scores. You see guys, I actually had a buddy of mine who had the course record at St. Andrews not too long ago. I don't know if it still stands or whatever, but he was like, dude, it was 70 degrees, blowing zero. And it's like, these golf courses aren't built for that. So they really need the wind. Like you mentioned, they need 15, 20, at least 10. I know they'll put some pins in some tricky spots, but Peter, from what it looks like, for at least from what I've seen, it looks like we are going to get some weather. I think Thursday looks fairly decent. The wind not expected to gust much um, over like 10 or 15 miles an hour. But starting Friday, it's supposed to get a little bit nasty. From what I saw, got rain and gusts up to 20, maybe the rain letting down late in the afternoon, but supposed to be pretty nasty all day on Friday. Is that what you're seeing? That's what I'm seeing now. And more than any other tournament, weather can play a massive factor. We saw that in 2016, where you're seeing double-digit stroke differentials between the waves. Uh, and that could be a huge edge. And in daily fantasy, uh, it's a big advantage. It's one correlation play that you can make, stacking tee times. And uh, you know, as we get closer, I think that's going to be a really critical thing. Uh, the three of us will be doing a live show tomorrow as we get really close to the open, and we will be talking a ton about the weather and the advantages that certain waves could have. You know, we're recording this here on Tuesday, so we'll save the weather talk for Wednesday. But it's very important to pay attention to. And it will drastically impact the betting markets if there's a clear-cut favorite with the waves. There's one other thing I wanted to dive into because, uh, so you mentioned Brooks Kepka, and we'll, we'll get into the top-tier players now. <laughs> Brooks Kepka with just a classic comment about how he doesn't practice uh, before any tournaments other than majors. Is this another major where Brooks is going to just show up and, and play incredibly well? Or is there another guy at the top? I think Rory is clearly the, the favorite in the betting markets. How are you kind of analyzing the top of the field? Well, first of all, Brooks did say that. He said that on Tuesday in his press conference. I broke that news like a week and a half ago. That was part of my prep or play piece that I referenced earlier. I spoke with Brooks in Minnesota, and I said, you know, you, you usually like to play. I know you're going to prep before the Open Championship. You're not going to play the week before. But in, in your four major wins, you played the week before every single time. Why do you like doing that? And Brooks goes, bro, you guys don't understand. Like, when I go home and say I don't practice – I'm like, it's not like, oh, I only practice a little and I go and play. He's like, I'm telling you, the clubs stay in the travel bag. Like, I do not practice at all. And so I like playing the week before just so I can actually hit the ball a little bit. And that's my practice is playing in a golf tournament. Then I'm ready for the major championship. So he didn't do that this time. I don't think that's going to affect him too much. I, I know he went over on Saturday. Um, got to look at the course early, spend some time uh, just going around the town with, uh, with Ricky, his caddy, and uh, going back to Ricky's old home. Ricky's staying with mom and dad this week, uh, about a quarter mile from the course. He's got a, a twin bed and golf trophies all over his room, just like probably the rest of us do. At least some of us have golf trophies. I don't, but Sleaze, I know you have golf trophies. We don't have enough room for them. I have like one golf trophy for like eighth place in a scramble once, but got to buy a new house uh, just to hold yeah. the trophies. Nah, must be, must be rough. So in any case, uh, looking at Kepka or Rory, I, I honestly, 
I like both of them. If I had to choose, if you were giving me like kind of gun to the head, matchup bet, pick one guy over the other, I like Kepka. And the reason for that is that I just think there's so much pressure on Rory this week. Think about it. Who has had more pressure on them in a major championship, any singular major championship over the last couple of years? You'd say probably Rory at the Masters going after the career Grand Slam. We all know that how that has played out. He's played good, but not good enough. Now he goes to Royal Portrush in his home country with all the fans waiting for him to go out there and shoot a 61 like he did when he was 16 years old. I think it's a ton of pressure. And what we've seen is he doesn't play great when there's a whole lot of pressure on him. So if I had to pick between those top two guys on the board, I'm looking at Kepka. Sleaze, what do you think about that? First of all, getting into Kepka's comments this week. I, I mean, dude, I know Kepka's like Mr. Cool Guy. Hey, I work out a lot. I don't practice. I don't get nervous. I think I think a little bit of this is getting overblown to the point where like, all right, dude. So you don't practice. You just show up and play tournaments. All of a sudden, you're the you're winning. You know, multiple major championships in a row. Either he's the greatest talent in the history of golf that we've ever seen, or there's some fabricating going on there. I don't think I can buy into like, no, dude. Literally, the only time I play golf is that when I play in tournaments and you see me on tv i think some of it's getting a little bit overblown with like the fucking cool guy routine and it, I, I think it's a little played out like tiger woods is like the first guy out of bed talking about how hard he's worked to get what he's gotten i don't think this shit just happens by accident also this is coming from the guy that like opted away from playing developmental tours in the u.s when he came out of college opted to go to europe play over there which is the biggest grind of all time playing in you know in a foreign country every single week and playing for very little money uh, you know relative to what he's playing for now and really like paying his dues going over there and and doing what not a lot of guys have the heart to do or the desire to do he really did it and now all of a sudden he's like oh yeah forget all that stuff but now i don't practice at all so is he awesome is he really really good at golf has he been incredible in majors absolutely I think he's gone a little bit overboard with like he's gotten the cool guy rap on tour. He's kind of stolen it, I think, a little bit from Dustin Johnson. I think he's actually like swagger jacked a lot of uh, Dustin stuff. I think he, you know, was good buddies with Dustin, worked out. I think he's stolen a lot of his stuff and trying to act a little bit like Dustin. I, I think some of it is exactly that. I think some of it's acting and it's a little bit like no one wants to hear how you don't practice and then you go out and win majors. I just I don't really buy into it all that much. Um for the record. But if you're looking at him this week, guess what? I still really like him. I think he's good. I think he's probably practiced a little bit more than he said, but I honestly don't know that this is a great golf course for him. I just kind of, I think he's just on a streak right now that we haven't really seen much of in the history of golf before minus like a tiger woods or something like that. But if you look at where he wins, he wins at places where he can bomb. He's as good of a driver as there is on planet earth. And he wins on golf courses where he gets to do that over and over. And I don't know port rush. Like maybe you do Sobel. Or uh, some of these guys that have obviously played it. I know it's relatively new for a lot of the guys, but doesn't sound like a golf course where you can just hit driver everywhere. I guess there's a lot of dog legs, a lot of like a lot of uh, crosswinds that these guys have. And from what I've heard from like caddies, players, guys that are over there right now, really the only linked advantage that comes into play is on the par fives. So I guess they'll have a leg up there as as you do on any golf course anywhere playing par fives. But I, I don't necessarily look at this venue and be like, oh, Brooks kept the golf course. This this doesn't add up to me. So. As we get to our picks and as we go through our DFS stuff, um, I'm leaning more towards veteran guys that have played a lot of Lynx golf, and I'm leaning towards guys that uh, are more accurate off the tee, less emphasis on Lynx, which I think is cool because there's very few of those golf tournaments. But looking at the golf course on the Golf Channel, it looks like big misses, meaning misses like 10 or more yards off the fairway. The hay is high over there, and uh, I think the, the smaller your misses, the better your chances this week. So 
I don't necessarily think this is a great golf course for Brooks Kepka, but with that being said, he, I think he's still good enough to go out there and, and be somewhere in contention on Sunday. Well said, Sleaze. I, uh, I'm not fishing for clicks here, but did you guys look at my 1 through 156 ranking of the entire field this week? No, but I will now that you mention it. Well, I, I mean, I just, you know, I'm just kind of looking. For, okay, I am fishing for clicks. No, I, I, I bring it up because if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, number 156, DFL on the entire ranking, Brooks Kepka. Doesn't mean I have no confidence in him. You know why? I said, look, Brooks loves playing with a chip on his shoulder. Here's what we're all doing. We're all going to bet on Brooks, and then we're going to have somebody bring up to him you know you were last on a ranking? Nobody believes in you. Nobody respects you, Brooks. No one thinks you can do it this week. And Brooks is like, goes from Bruce Banner to being the Hulk, like rips his shirt off. He's like slamming his fist on the table. He goes, all right, that's it. They disrespected me. I'm going to go show him. He wins by 12 and we all win money because we motivate him. You like that plan? It's getting harder for him to find these slights, these me against the I'm world. I'm trying. Everybody's jocking him right now because he like, how could you not in the golf world? He's been as he's number one in the world. He's won a bunch of majors. Like, it's hard for him to find shit internally. I think every week or every major now that he's become like the hot pick, which he should be the hot pick. But it's like he's got to really search. He's gonna have to look for the Action Network, Jason Sobel rankings to find anyone that's not picking Brooks Koepka to play well this week. Yeah, the, the practicing thing. I know we've we've gone down that road a lot. As a 10 handicap who practices more than he should, uh, it just makes me feel terrible. Dude, that's an act. That is an act. I guarantee you. The rest of the world works their asses off to, to try to win, but somehow Brooks doesn't have to do anything, even though he had to go overseas and play for a bunch of years before he could come over here and start winning tournaments. Now, all of a sudden, he just doesn't have to do anything. It is part of the cool guy thing. And one other part of that, how about the fact that Tiger texted Brooks a few days ago to go play a practice round with him? Brooks just ghosted him. Brooks didn't say, oh, maybe, didn't say, oh, yeah, I'd love that, but I'm at a different time. Brooks just didn't text him back. I mean, that is ballsy right there. Right there. The reason you're flying private and the reason you're Mr. Cool Guy and at the ESPYs with your girlfriend all dressed up and stuff is because Tiger Woods made this game cool, and that's the reason you get a bunch of money for playing it. So you got to pay homage to the GOAT, dude, and return Tiger's text. I return all Tiger's texts, dude. I text him back right away every time he hits me up. I, I don't really feel terrible. It's more of a joke, but it, like think about how many people are just grinding their golf game. Like that are just playing nonstop. Can't get anywhere. And then Brooks is making these comments, but more power to him. He's uh, definitely the cool guy right now. And the not responding to tiger, that is blasphemy in terms of the markets though. Rory is a minus minus one seventy five favorite. He's the clear favorite versus everyone. And Sleaze, I want to kick it to you because the guy who is the next favorite in the field, at least in terms of matchups is John Rahm. And I think there's a lot of reasons why John Rahm is getting a ton of respect in the markets, but you've seen his game up close and in person. I know he's riding high right now after a recent win. Do you think there's merit in him being the second guy in the field right now? 100%. Absolutely. I think this guy, he's still super young. I know there's now younger guys on the tour that are coming out with all these studs that are just now turning pro, but this dude's been good from day one. Came out, got his card without Q school, done things that very few guys have ever done on the PJ Tour. And I think I think the talent has been there for a while. It's just been refining the talent. I think it's been, he is a guy, and this is the one thing I think that's held him back in major championships, and it's no secret, is that his emotions are, are crazy, dude. He is a loose cannon out there, one bad shot, one bad swing, and he can lose his mind. We saw it at the players this year with that unbelievably bad decision he made to try to hit like the four iron under the tree over the lake tied for the lead when he could have just laid up and probably you know made birdie 50 percent of the time i think he gets 
too emotional, too fired up. And I think just think all that is, is just a time thing is the more he can play, the more he can put himself in the hunt and learn to control those emotions. That's why you see him. He's going to be an unbelievable Ryder Cup player for years and years to come. And as soon as he learns to harness some of that emotion that he's got and uh, tone it back to where it doesn't, where one bad shot doesn't affect him for the next three or four holes, I think he's going to win a, a bunch of majors. He's one of the guys, like we talk about horses for courses and, and different things like that. I don't think there's one type of golf course that suits John Rahm. I think if you want to play a long golf course, John Rahm can play good. If you want to play a short golf course, like the players where he almost won until he blew up, that's a good golf course for John Rahm. I think he can play well any type of venue. And uh, he's got every single piece of talent that you need to win majors. And I think it's just a matter of time before he starts peeling more and more, not only just regular um, event golf tournaments off, but also major championships. So yeah, like him being second in the overall betting odds, I think that, I think that has merit. Yeah. And that, to be clear, that's not in the outrights. That's more in the matchups uh, on the books that I respect the most. He's a favorite versus DJ. He's a favorite versus Justin Rose. He's a favorite versus Kepka. Uh, and I think there's merit there. Before we move to this mid-tier uh, or even the upper mid-tier Sobel, is there any final thoughts on some of the top guys? I mean, I think you might be able to get DJ a little bit lower owned uh, on DraftKings just because he hasn't played quite as well. And Everyone's all over Rory. Kepka's still obviously going to be a popular pick given his major history. Uh, anyone else at the top that you're kind of eyeing? Justin Rose, maybe a, a good – I don't know if he'll be contrarian, but yes. I do like him quite a bit this week. Yeah, how far do you want to go down the list? I mean, we can go to like maybe – how about the 30 to ones? and I'll, I'll throw out a few names uh, that we like here. Justin Rose, I like Rose if the wind doesn't blow as much. I, I think – in tougher conditions, I think it's going to be tougher for Rose to play really well. Uh, I'm big on Rom. Uh, of the top guys, Rom is my favorite one out there. The only sort of demerit that I've heard on Rom so far is that he hasn't played great at the Open Championship. You know what? If he had been there 15 times and he was 35 years old, I'd say, okay, there's a pattern there. He's played three times. He's 24 years old. I don't care. I, I just think those are learning experiences, and, and I think he's played really well on Lynx golf courses anyway. So uh, fine with that. Uh, Dustin Johnson, don't love. I'll go right down the list. Tiger, uh, I think Tiger's not going to have a good week. I, I really do think the Open could wind up being the major that best suits him sort of late in his career, but I just – you get a bad sense for Tiger. Listen to that press conference. He did not seem optimistic. He did not seem positive about where his game is trending right now. So uh, going further down the list, Xander Shoffley, I think you have to like right now. Uh, my favorite bet this week, or one of them, is Xander for a, for a top 10. Uh, Patrick Cantley is getting a lot of love out there. We had Jeff Sherman on the pod last week who uh, really liked Patrick Cantley and uh, said there's really good value there. Tough to disagree with him. Ricky Fowler, I was very high on Ricky Fowler. Then he missed the cut at the Scottish, even though he was four under. It was just a, a really low cut. I, I still like him. I, I just, you know, I have this Fowler FOMO that uh, you don't want to miss out when he finally wins one because he's going to win one at some point. And then you're going to go, man, I had him at 12 different majors and, and didn't take him at the one where he finally won. But I'm just not sure he's ready this week. And then going a little bit further down the list, Adam Scott. Adam Scott's my guy this week. I love Adam Scott. Uh, love everything about the fact that he's played really well at majors so far this year. Uh, I've always thought he was destined to win a Claret Jug ever since 2012 when he blew it and lost to Ernie Els at the end there with uh, four bogeys on his last four holes. Uh, I think Adam Scott is a fantastic play, whatever format you're looking at, uh, matchups, uh, outright, top five, DFS. Uh, I'm all over Adam Scott this week, and uh, a couple other names right around there. Uh, Henrik Stenson I like, Justin Thomas I really like, um, and Matt Kuchar I really like as well. So I, I actually like the guys 
that sort of 28 to 30 to 1 range, I like those guys better than I like the guys at the top. A lot of stuff there that I want to unpack. Um, Xander's been great just in general. I think one thing when you look at the betting markets, they're definitely starting to give him more respect relative to the other majors. And one other guy I want to throw out there is Justin Thomas, who is my only outright move from 45 to one to 25 and a half to one. So feel good about that. And I think the tier even right below that, you mentioned Adam Scott and Cantlay. I love both those guys. I also really, really like Hideki Matsuyama, who we've been high on on this podcast. Sleaze, uh, your thoughts on those guys. Yeah, you got you guys mentioned a lot of the names out there and a lot of guys. I agree with a lot of the, the stuff you said, but uh, just kind of going down my list of guys that I'm into. I I agreed with a lot of what Sobel said. One thing I, I'm I'm very bullish on a area on a player that he is not so fond of, and that's Justin Rose. I think this is a guy that's not getting as much hype as we've seen in years past. Hasn't been quite as consistent. Hasn't been the machine that we've seen him be in years past. But I think the big issue with him this year. And some of these bigger tournaments has been with the driver. And I think that's going to be shelved a little bit this week based on uh, the course setup. But he's a he has a ton of open championship experience, which I think is paramount. I think that's huge. You see very few rookies go over there or very few guys. So we'll mention Rom has only played three of them, hasn't done well. I think there's a feeling out process in Lynx Golf, but he's been top 25 in eight of the last 17. So he's 25, you know, he's 50% um, over his career, basically, in top 25. He was runner up last year. And uh, his iron play is really, really good. So I think if that wind does blow, the guys that really strike it, that really compress it, have a big leg up on guys that don't. So I'm actually bullish on on Justin Rose at 9,900. I, I kind of like him. I think Rom is the cream of the crop here. But if you want to go a little, I think he's going to be the most heavily owned guy in the field. If you want to go a little contrarian, I think Justin Rose is is a good play there. And in the middle tier, you guys touched on it a little bit, but I'm I am big time in here and it hurts me to say this i'm big time in on this guy i think matt kuchar is an incredible play 8700 i think the course is a great setup for him he's a guy that when he misses he does not miss big his balls trickle into the rough as opposed to flying 15 yards into the fescue he has a very low ball flight which is going to be huge if the wind blows this week and a great putter so he can get up and down he can use that putter around the green a lot i am very big on Matt Kuchar. I'm going to bet him in some matchups as well, but he's my kind of middle tier guy. If you want, I am for, for some reason, Peter, I know you love him. So he's probably in all of your lineups, but I'm big on the Cooch lash this week. Oh, I have just nothing but great things to say about Kuchar. Unfortunately, I agree with you. I do think he's going to be chalky in DFS and he's getting respect in the markets. Uh, I love Cantley as well. I talked briefly about that, but Cantley to me represents just amazing value I think going forward, he's going to be right there, just as Jeff talked about as one of the top five guys. So he's another guy in that range. Can I give you one more mid-tier guy that I like that I don't think we've touched on? You mentioned Hideki, and Hideki's been an absolute robot this year with the way he's played and the consecutive cuts that he's had. The one thing that I don't love about Hideki out of British is that, like a couple other guys that I think on the PGA Tour, Jason Day being one, Justin Thomas being one, he seems to have one golf swing, one type of ball flight uh, almost like a Jeff Ogilvy of old, where you didn't really see these guys. I don't see Jason Day hitting a lot of flighted shots. I don't see Justin Thomas is getting a lot, lot better at hitting half shots. You see him doing it more and more where earlier in his career, I don't think he did it at all. Matsuyama is one of those guys that hits it sky high, hits it full speed every single time. And on a Lynx golf course with wind blowing, I just don't, I think that is a really, really hard way to play, play golf around there. So I'm not as high on Hideki as I would be in any other golf tournament on planet earth other than the open championship. But I am very big on a guy who hasn't been as strong as he's been in years past. But Henrik Stinson, if you're looking in the middle tier, 
since in 12 of 14 cuts in his career at the Open Championship. One, obviously, in 2016 and one of the best Open Championships in the history. Great course for him to just pound that three-wood around. He's not a great with the, he's not elite with the driver, but he is elite with that three-wood. I think this, this length of golf course allows him to hit that three-wood a lot. The same thing I mentioned with Justin Rose. The way he compresses his irons is unlike very many guys that you'll find on the PGA Tour. And if the wind blows, his ability to control the ball with the way he hits it, I think Stinson is an absolute steal at 8,400. So middle tier, I like Cooch and Stinson are my two guys uh, just based on this, their experience in open championships and the way their games like suit this golf course. Yeah, Sleaze, I tend to agree with you on a lot of that stuff. I like Stenson a lot. You talk about guys who flight the ball, and I think that's where, if you're looking to fade guys in matchups, look at the guys who can't hit the low ball because I think those are the guys that are going to struggle. The one guy that I've pinpointed is Bryson DeChambeau, who was actually first on the PGA Tour in launch angle. Uh, the guy absolutely skies the ball. He's hit the highest apex drive on the PGA Tour this season. He hits the ball a mile high in the air. Uh, I just don't think, and this is a guy who hasn't really figured out majors yet either, I just don't think that if the wind blows, Bryson can handle it. And if we look a little lower, I, I know we're kind of mixing the metaphors here with mid-tier for DFS and mid-tier for betting, but I'm going to look at a few guys, 50-1, to 1, also guys who uh, flight the ball, 50-1 to 1 and a little bit higher odds where – Matt Wallace is a guy that I love. He's played well at two majors already, and this one suits him better than those two. Rafa Cabrera Bayo, I'm not sure he's got quite the mental fortitude to go out and win a major, but I think he can absolutely finish seventh place this week. I, I think Rafa could have a really nice week. He's been playing really well, trending in the right direction. Mark Leishman is a guy who always plays well at the Open, especially if the wind is blowing. Matthew Fitzpatrick I like a lot. Graham McDowell going back home. And Terrell Hatton is a guy that I really like a lot too. You look at him, he's 90-1. to 1. Uh, I don't know that he can go out and win this golf tournament necessarily, but I like him for a top five, top ten bet, absolutely, and, and a good place in uh, in a DFS lineup where he's not taking up too much uh, salary, Peter. Matthew Fitzpatrick I want to hit on because he's the guy I have highlighted here. And just seeing how much respect he's getting in the markets, I'm going to have a lot of him in DFS, it looks like. Right now versus Pepperell, he's minus 165. And then I also saw a matchup over Noren. He's a big favorite. He's basically a big favorite versus everyone that he's matched up against, which makes sense given kind of the way he plays. Uh, I like Fitzpatrick quite a bit, and I think he's going to end up being potentially chalk. Here's the one that surprised me. Matthew Fitzpatrick versus Tony Finau. And I know Finau hasn't been good, but if you would have told me you know, last year that Matthew Fitzpatrick's a minus 133 favorite over Tony Finau in any tournament, I wouldn't have believed it. So I'm pretty he- pretty high on Fitzpatrick, and I, I do think uh, he's kind of the type of golfer that you want to target for this event. Uh, Sleaze, any final thoughts here on this mid-range before we get to the super value, guys? Yeah, I think Sobel mentioned some good stuff with the flight of the of the ball. Like, um, your Justin Thomas pick. I love Justin Thomas. I think he's going to win a shitload of majors and regular tour events over his career. I think he's going to have a career like Phil Mickelson in that he's going to become like, hey, can you win at the British? Can you build that type of game to win at the Open Championship? Because right now he is a sky. He hits it sky high. He swings full. He has a perfect game for PGA Tour golf, but not necessarily tailor-made. For open championship so i think guy like justin thomas jason day those guys like sobel mentioned that hit it really high i have a tough time but uh to your point on fitzpatrick if he's gonna play well at a major this is it because he's not one of the long high ball hitters he's kind of a slashing 
get it around type of guy. And, and this type of golf course, especially is the one where he, he could excel. So I, I, I respect all the Fitzpatrick of love that he's getting in the betting markets. Cause I think he has, he has a perfect type of game for this golf course. Yeah. And I, JT to be very clear is just anytime he's 45 to one, I'm going to grab yeah, him. He's worth a fire. I mean, if you go catch some good weather out there and this place, isn't that windy, he can do, he can do whatever he wants to do and he can do it better than damn near anybody on the planet. But if you get your, you get your, your normal or what we hope to expect at an open championship with 20 mile an hour winds and maybe some rain and stuff like that. I think his type of game is, is not suited to that as much as, uh, some guys that I think he would have his way with week in, week out on the regular tour. Guys, speaking of Justin Thomas, and during majors, we always see guys grouped as uh, nationalities. So you can go top American, uh, top Englishman, top Irishman. Look at top American, Justin Thomas, and he's mispriced across the board, but he is seventh for top American at 14 to one. I think that's a hell of a price for Justin Thomas this week, a guy who we all seem to think can play pretty well. Yeah, I think Sleaze is probably the least bullish on him, and I get the ball flight, and he struggled. He made a nine uh, at the Open Championship a couple years ago. Uh, I just think he's undervalued, and uh, the reason I think that he's undervalued in the markets right now is that he's play- his results haven't been great, and it's only because of his putter. He's been doing everything well. He even put on his Instagram that he's you know really happy with all of his game. His stats have been good. He's been like the worst putter on tour since he's come back from the wrist injury. And I think he's one of those guys that's really streaky with the putter. And if it all comes together, I think there's a lot of upside. And that is a nice, nice value there. Uh, Silva at 14 to one. We should dive into this value tier. And I do think this tournament more so than others uh, represents a really good opportunity to get some contrarian guys. And there can be some really good plays, especially if there's a weather angle where uh, some of these Euro guys that not the average, you know, guy watching the PGA tour follows, could be great steals, uh, especially if they catch a break with a weather draw. So, Sobel, I know you have a couple picks down here. Who are your favorite kind of value guys, long shots in the betting markets or cheap guys in DFS? I'm going to go down the list a little bit here. I'm starting with guys who are uh, at least 100 to 1 on the board right now for outrights. And Eric Van Royen's played really well. He was a mess on Sunday at the Scottish Open. But other than that, he's played really well. He's uh, finished top 10 in a major already in the U.S. this year. And again, uh, this is a guy whose game should suit the Lynx course better. So I, I like him uh, as a DFS player this week and maybe a top 20 type of guy. Andy Sullivan lost his game for a while. He's been really good lately. I think he's a sneaky, sneaky pick this week. I think Andy Sullivan can go out, have a nice week. Here's a guy, a buddy of mine mentioned this name to me. I hadn't thought much about it. And ever since he mentioned the name uh, yesterday, I've been thinking a lot more about this. It's got kind of a Darren Clark 2011 feel to it, but... Lee Westwood has been playing some really good golf lately. Couldn't you see on a golf course that isn't playing that long and you got to just keep it in play and you got to put the ball in the right spots on the green, couldn't you see Lee Westwood like 10 years after anyone thought he was going to win a major championship and it never happened and he was all done going out there and playing some good golf? I think Lee Westwood could have a really, really nice week, uh, especially for DFS terms and things like that. I'll give you one more. Uh, I'm seeing him at 160 to 1. I see a little analogy to Andres Romero. Remember him back in 2007 when he came out of nowhere to finish third? Joaquin Neiman, another South American, he won't come out of nowhere because we know who he is. He was a number one ranked amateur before he turned pro last year, but I think Joaquin Neiman could have a really good week as well. And again, 6,900 on DraftKings. 160 to one on the board. Uh, those are some really nice numbers for that guy. So I, I'm typically very pro-American and who I want to win 
all the major championships as well, as well as the Ryder Cup. I pretty much root for the homeland. But honestly, I don't think I'd be more happy to see anyone win this golf tournament than Lee Westwood. For a guy that's had the career that he's had for as long as he's had it, been in contention so many times at major championships and hasn't been able to get it done. If Lee Westwood could show up and get it done this week, there wouldn't be the rest of the field wouldn't be happier if anybody else won um, in the entire field because I think he deserved it. So based on what you said, I would love it if Westy could uh, could pull one off before his career ends because he still strikes it like really, really well. The putter's been always, always, always and around the greens chipping. He hasn't been very good either. He's always had it tee to green. And for a long time there, he was one of the best in the world, if not the best, tee to green, and just could not make the putts when they mattered, which is ultimately what you got to do to win a major, especially your first one. But yeah, on a golf course like this, he's obviously not as long as he was eight years ago. But I think on a golf course like this, it doesn't matter as much. And the stars need to align. I think everything would have to go right. You got to catch the good wave. He's got to have a good week with the putter. Everything's got to go right. But talent-wise, there's still enough left in the tank for him to compete at this golf tournament. I don't think there's a ton of them on the regular tour or anything like that where he could. But at this event, if if everything went right and he had one of those weeks, I think you could see a Darren Clark-type week. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good calls in there. The one guy who's standing out to me who's cheap on DraftKings, and maybe he'll end up being popular, is Bernd Wiesberger. Uh, he's a favorite over Mark Leishman right now. Uh, 7,100 on DraftKings. Starting to get some momentum in the betting markets, but... That's someone I don't think everyone's thinking about. Uh, it stinks that he's been playing great lately because I think people are going to notice that. But he's someone that has really caught my eye, especially on DraftKings, where I believe he's only 7,100. Sleeves, any thoughts on him and uh, kind of some of these other value guys? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think you, you can't go wrong with him. There's so many options down here in this, you know, just north of 7,000 range. There's a lot of good guys you can go with, and this is where you get your differentiation um, amongst the lineups. But one guy that stand, we touched on a lot of the guys that I like. One guy we haven't mentioned that I, I like down here. I mean, down here, you're really looking for a guy like, hey, who's going to make a cut? Who could potentially play well if they have a really good week? I think Brandon Grace is a really good play here. If you've, if you've seen his game up close, he's a really low ball hitter off the tee. So I think the, the shittier the weather is, the bigger advantage it is to have him. Low ball, straight driver, and he has a really good record at the Open Championship. Seven out of eight cuts made. That that's pretty much points to the guy that knows how to play some links golf. He's played in all the different types of conditions that you could see out there. Sixth in 2016. So even his good golf is there in the top 10. That's kind of his ceiling, I think, is somewhere around that top, you know, 10, top sixth range that he's done before. I think he's a good, a really good pick at uh, 7,300 just based on the t- style of game that he plays and the course fit. Going back to Weisberger for a second, did you guys watch the end of the Scottish Open the other day? I have not seen any of it. It was brutal. I had money on Weisberger, so I was rooting hard on him. And uh, I I love the fact that he won, but, man, it was a death march out there. He chunked a ball from the middle of the fairway in the playoff. He looked so nervous out there. He missed a five-footer on 17 regulation, missed another shorty in the playoff. If Benjamin Bear could have gotten anything in the hole during the playoff, he would have won his first career European Tour event. Instead, uh, Weisberger somehow just like outlasted him. At some point, like the other guys gave up. So, oh, I guess you can have it. I mean, they were they were like trading missed three foot putts uh, in that playoff. They were just so bad. It was a merciful uh, ending to uh, to that tournament because uh, Byrne did not look as good as I thought he would coming down the stretch. So. Uh, it's all I, I'm just throwing it out there. Obviously, playing really well. He's got a a first and a second in the last two weeks, so playing really well. But man, 
Those nerves, I, I can only imagine him if he's in contention on Sunday afternoon for a Claret Jug, not for a Scottish Open. Shout out to Josh Perry, too. That Wimbledon match is going on, and obviously you guys were sweating. The, I didn't have an outright unburnt, but uh, incredible that he won. But, uh, yeah, sounds like there was a lot of nerves, and um, maybe that's something he can draw from that he you know, he still was able to win, but definitely concerning. And in DFS, he's going to end up being very chalky. I actually liked him before. Yeah. I was hoping – like, if he finishes second or third, I don't think he has the same recognition. And obviously, those DFS prices are static, and the market's going to adjust to his win. So I do really like him. I think he's one of the clear-cut value guys and probably someone that will be in a lot of cash games this week. Yeah, if he had won last week, you'd see so – you know, if he had lost the playoff, I think you'd see his ownership way down. But the fact that he won he, – he, he's the trendy guy right now in terms of this, like, lower tier down here. But – um Gotta do a sleazy pick. It's major week. And now it's time for the super sneaky sleazy pick of the week. Got to absolutely do a sleazy pick. And I'm a little bit pissed off at Sobel because he rattled him off earlier on and stealing my thunder a little bit like he likes to do. But I'm going with the first time guy making his debut appearance on the all sleaze team because he's normally not priced on here. Joaquin Neiman. Sobel, big props to you. You pointed him out. But first open championship. This goes against anything I believe in. I'm total team veteran at the Open Championship. I think Lynx Golf, because they play it so rarely, is an acquired taste. you got to learn how to play it. Uh, there's nuances to it. There's things you do that you don't ever do week in, week out on the regular tour. His first Open Championship, but his last four events, 5th, 5th, 23rd, 10th. Very, very good iron player. Lower ball flight. College golf at OSU. I'm getting into all the subjective stuff here that I know Peter hates. Play golf in Stillwater, where the wind blows like nowhere else in the, the U.S. Dude, he's like literally the same age as like Victor Hovland and Matt. Like he's so young still. Like I think he, he doesn't, we don't mention him amongst the young guns because he's been out there a little yeah. bit now. Yeah. And he kind of gets bypassed. But dude, he's ready to make a splash. He's still a child out there. And uh, the way he's been playing lately, I think at 6,900, scoop and score on Joaquin. Uh, I think he, and he's got the good wave, uh, I believe, or at least the anticipated good wave, I believe. So I'm big on Joaquin Neiman. I think that that's the sleazy pick of the week, official final answer. There are a lot of guys way down the list who I actually really like. I mean, even further down below Neiman, Mike Lorenzo Vera has played really well this year. That is super sleazy he's, right he's, there. He's going to be 3% owned. He's super cheap. I mean, that can win you the million dollars. You might might as well take him. Andrew Putnam was T4 at the Scottish last week. Andrew Putnam might be the greatest Lynx player in the world. We just don't know it yet. And he had his first taste of it last week, and he might go out there and kill it this week. He's By the way, he's also 80-1 to 1 for low American this week, which I, why not take a shot on a guy who's T4 last week? A couple other ones. Uh... Andrea Pavan. I know I'm taking names out of nowhere and people are going to be like, who? This guy's from Italy. He's got a first and a fourth in the last month alone playing really good golf. And uh, a guy that Jeff Sherman mentioned on the pod last week that there are a couple of big bets on him already, which is kind of weird. But Christian Bezweidenheit from South Africa, watch out for that guy. I actually think he's a really good player. He's got a bright future ahead of him. I can see him playing well this week as well. A lot of uh, really good pronunciations there, Sobel. I was going to bring up a couple of those players, but I was too intimidated. So I could have mentioned Jazz Jenna Watson in the non. That was not your yeah. best attempt, but that, no, that was. You got you kind of have to stutter in the middle. It's it's Jenna Watson non So you got to like kind of stutter in the middle when you say it quick. Try it. 
I'm not going to oh, Yeah, on. try it, Peter. Try it. Jazz wanted, uh, yeah, done. All right. Yeah, so don't get on me because I can't, I, I said Jazz, Jana, Watson, none, none, none. Just call him Jazz. Well, your other pronunciations were just so eloquent and beautiful, <laughs> and I guess you did that right. I really want to, I want to dive into some of the best bets, but before you guys give some specific ones, I will say there's more arbitrage and different market prices across these books than you'll see in any other tournament. I think that's because there's so much action coming in on these European books and some of the American books and the offshores, they have so much American money coming in and you see it. I mean, DJ's a favorite over ROM in some places. And then you look at the, you know, the big European books that I think are more accurate and take more volume. They have ROM as huge favorites. Same thing with Tiger Woods. I mean, Tiger Woods is, you know, a small dog to a lot of these guys, Dustin, Rory, ROM, et cetera. And then he's a, you know, plus 175 dog, you know, on these really sharp books. So Pay attention to price. Uh, if you have a lot of options in terms of your books, I'm sure you can find some arbitrage or some really good values and shop more than ever this week because we will see um, bigger differentials. And the other thing is tomorrow, if the weather breaks a certain way or stays how it is, uh, I do think there's some additional value there. So uh, that's my two cents on the betting markets. I uh, want to hear your guys' favorite bets. Sleaze, I'll, I'll kick to you first. What are some matchups or some bets that you like this week? Two bets that jumped out of me, and I'm sticking with my trend of things that I've said so far, but I mentioned I'm huge on Matt Kuchar this week. And, and so I got him against Jason Day minus 120, which is a little bit of expensive price you would expect for someone against Jason Day who's not named Dustin or Rory or something like that but day two top 20s in his last nine years at the open championship like i said i just do not think that he had this is one of the few few tournaments in the world that don't suit his game which is long high full speed everything that modern day golf is i just don't see that this that this is the type of venue for him uh high ball all that stuff just not a great course fit and on the other side of that i think this is absolutely tailor-made for matt kuchar this week I think he he is the epitome of what you look for in a golf tournament like this, especially, hopefully, please God, if we can get some of the weather that we're that we're hoping for. So I like Kucher over Jay Day. And uh, secondly, another fairly expensive one, which um, I got to have a lot of conviction to bet these, but I like Jim Furyk, okay, over Aaron Wise. Furyk, 21 Open Championships played, six top 10s, seven top 25s, Three And not only that, if you want to take out the history, he's got three top tens on the PJ Tour this year, and he hasn't really played all that much. But when he's played, he's played really well. Wise, on the other hand, one top ten this year in more events than Jim Furyk has played, and it's his first Open Championship. So this is a total experience beat, beats youth situation. I just think Furyk is the crafty veteran, knows how to play these type of golf courses, knows how to get it around. Wise just getting his feet wet in these things, not that he won't be an unbelievable player, Going forward, I think he has all the tools, but but both of those are just kind of course fit veteran plays over guys that I just don't think fit this type of golf course very well. So I'm going Kucher over Day, Furyk over Wise. Those are two that I really like. Man, I'm rooting for Kucher big time this week. <laughs> Favorite golfer on tour. I'm going to be all over him as well. <laughs> Sobel, what you got for us? Uh, so I I like that Kucher one. I, I can be sold on Furyk there too. So I, I'm with you on those, please. I think he'll play pretty well. I don't think he'll play anything special, but I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Wise isn't there on the weekend. Been a down year for Wise, but he has played his best golf of the majors so far. So I just don't know quite what to expect from him on the Lynx course. But you're right, Fjord's experience should be really good there. My two favorite matchups. Uh, the first one, I've got one of the most undervalued guys in the entire tournament against one of the most overvalued guys. And uh, I'm getting my guy at plus money, and I love it. 
Matt Wallace over Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, I've talked about Wallace already. Matt Wallace is going to kill it this week. He, he's got a chance to seriously contend for this golf tournament. I think he's going to have a, a tremendous week. He's much better than he gets credit for. He's, what is he, 24th in the world right now? Uh, I mean, he's not priced like the 24th player in this golf tournament, but uh, this is a, an environment, a course, that should suit him really well. And like I said about Bryson earlier, I'm fading him everywhere. This is a perfect one to, for, to fade him in. He hits the ball way too high to succeed at a British Open. Quite frankly, he hasn't played the majors well at all. Matt Wallace is a better major championship performer in his young career than Bryson is. So I absolutely love that matchup. And the second one that I like, Mark Leishman. We haven't talked too much about Leish, but he's got three top six finishes in the last five years. I like him at plus money over Paul Casey. I think people look at Paul Casey and they say, ah, he's an Englishman. They always play Lynx golf really well. Paul Casey is as Americanized as they come, and I don't mean that as any kind of insult to him, but he's another guy that hits a high golf ball. I like him at a Masters. I like him at a PGA Championship. I do not like him at an Open. These are a couple of guys with sort of opposite strategies. I think Leishman plays the ball on the ground much better than Paul Casey does, and I think he's going to have a much better result because of it, especially if the wind comes through and blows pretty hard this week. I really like both of those. That first bet, the Wallace over DeChambeau plus money, might be my favorite bet ever set on this podcast. Yeah, DeChambeau is such a sign. He yeah. wants to know the air density, everything, have it down in an equation. If all hell breaks loose weather-wise at a British Open, there ain't enough fucking scratch paper around to do all the calculations you're going to need to get it around there. I, I really, really like that Wallace over DeChambeau, especially at plus money. So props. So I, I think that both of those were nails. Leishman has not got enough love on this pod for my liking. We you stroke him every time. Yeah, I know. He, I haven't mentioned him at all on this pod, dude, and he deserves it. By the way, if you do like Leishman, which I do, you get him at plus 250 for a top 20, which I think is pretty good value. That's great value. The Wallace over DeChambeau is just like everything you want to look for in a match, and I feel like I'm gushing too much that's so going to jinx it or something, but I, I, it is literally the perfect matchup. I love Wallace. I think he's underrated by the majority of the public, and DeChambeau is the exact opposite, overrated. Great course for Wallace, bad course for DeChambeau, and getting that plus money. I mean, I feel like Wallace should be like minus 130 in that matchup. Yeah, absolutely, and I'd still probably play him at minus 130. I mean, that's how much I like this this bet here. I, Wallace is just a, he's a better golfer, quite frankly, and he's a way better golfer on this kind of golf course. All right, so we're investing our life savings on Wallace over DeChambeau, and we're going to win a million dollars on DraftKings. Is there any any other bets before we get into our DraftKings lineup? Let's get our let's get our lineup out there. Let's let's throw this winner out there. This has become my favorite part of the pod, by the way, guys. And I I know we have we've struggled collectively on putting these into some uh, big money lineups, but uh, for those who have been tailing our DFS lineups for the last month or so, I, I think everything's cashed. I think we've cashed every single time. The uh, admin yeah. side of this podcast is dog shit. Yeah. Reliable as hell. We're, we're content guys. We're not tech guys. We're content guys. So we'll throw this in the millionaire maker. We're doing it now. We're going to okay. make a lineup. So go to the contest. Win a million dollars on DraftKings again. Pretty neat. Would be fun. Sleaze, would you be okay if we won a million here? I'm not opposed. The problem is we have a million listeners, so we're all going to win a dollar. I'll still take a dollar right now. I think we're about to win this on our own. I think, yeah, we're just going to ship this thing. Fire it off. Who wants to start? I'll, I mean, I like Matt Wallace. We got to throw him in there. All right, put Wallace in. We just stroked him for 10 minutes. We got to have him. I'm going Matt Kuchar. I've been all over him this yeah. week. Take Matt Kuchar. I mentioned him as my favorite guy in my, my pick to win this week. You guys didn't have much of a reaction. You guys like Adam Scott this week? 
You love him. I don't love him like you love him. I like him though. I don't hate him. You think the he's man, gonna putt okay? The man love for him that you have. Yeah, he's, his putting has been good this year, and, and quite frankly, I think putting gets neutralized on a, on a course like this anyway. Uh, you're not gonna make a ton of them, and, and you're really not gonna three putt a whole lot of them. So uh, I think you know guys like Adam Scott and Hideki Matsuyama and guys uh, Justin Thomas even who hasn't putted well lately. I think it gets neutralized a little bit. Let me, let me throw Scott in there. All right. The baggy pleated plants blow around a lot in the wind. It's true. Factor that in. Yeah, that's not good. I still like it. We need we need something somewhat contrarian now. There's no one more contrarian than the sleaze. What? Give me the price range. You can go anywhere right now. You want me to just drop a bomb? I gotta stay behind the sleazy pit. Give me Neiman down low, down south. Love that. Down on Love the it. down on the bottom floor, down in the basement. God, is that a good pick? Love that. How much do we have left now, Sobel? Uh, let's see. We've got 87. Man, we got a lot of money left on here, too. Okay, we need to leave some money on the, for sure, at least a couple hundred on the on uh, on the table here. Uh, I'm, you know what? I'm going to go bigger money, but I'm going to take a guy that you really like anyway, the guy you were going to take if you did it. So let's go Pat Cantlay. I'll allow it. Sustained. I, I was ready to overrule some of this shit y'all been throwing out earlier. But I'll allow it. Sustained. Good pick. That gets us to 8,500 left and... Depending on how much you want to leave on the table, I mean, there's some really good options of guys. Uh, I'm going to throw out just some names uh, that we've talked about. Hideki Matsuyama at 8,500. Stenson at 8,400. Uh, Graham McDowell, 7,900. Mark Leishman, 7,700. Matt Fitzpatrick, 7,600. Yeah, how much money do we want to leave? Because I, I think Stenson's the the clear highest value equity play. Yes. Uh, shout out to our friends at Fanshare Sports. He's been tagged a bunch, and a lot of people are on Stenson this week. So I think that's a really good pick. But let's let's get sneaky and leave some money on the table, and let's let's leave a lot of money on the table, uh, and guarantee we have a, a unique lineup. Let's go with Fitzpatrick as our guy. Love that. Yeah, we're mm. leaving some serious change on the table. Is there anything we would want to change? And really, what are we leaving? Like seven hundred on the table or something? Now we got nine hundred on the table. If you guys aren't sold on Adam Scott, I, I really like Adam Scott. If you guys aren't sold on him, we could trade in Adam Scott for any of the following. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, probably not. Ricky Fowler, Francesco Molinari, Xander Shoffley, or Tommy Fleetwood. I would trade him for Shoffley or Fleetwood. But if we're trying to leave money on the table. I like Adam Scott. I think he has a chance to be chalky. But those guys moving up, it's just tough because I don't, I don't, I do not like DeChambeau. JT I liked as a bet, but that was only because of the price. I think he's he's priced fairly in DFS. What do you guys think about Ricky? I, I wish he would have done really well at the Scottish. I do think the British suits his style of play. He can hit a, a variety of shots. He can do. He's not a one shot one trick pony like some of the guys that I mentioned earlier. He can play that style of golf really creative. I just I just don't know has he been good enough lately to to roll the dice with him. I I concur I concur with all that. I I completely agree. I, I, I'm stuck on Ricky. I, like, I don't want to jump off Ricky because I've been on him at so many majors. I completely agree. He's got the creativity to go win an open championship, and he just hasn't quite been good enough lately. So I don't know. Here's, here's one that I would, that I would argue for, because you picked Kuchar, right, Sleese? Yes. Let's, I think he's going to be uber chalk, and I think rightfully so. But screw Matt Kuchar. Let's put Xander in. What do you guys think about that? I don't love it. For the record, I do. Uh, Kucher, I was, I was stroking Kucher all, all show. I, I do think he. Has I feel a, like he's going to screw us either way. Everyone, I hate picking the same guys that everyone picks. So if you think he's like, you know, a stock lineup guy, 
that then you can throw them. But I think we do have enough differentiators in there. But I'll leave it up to you guys. I did try to pick Ryan Moore last week, and you guys shit on me, and then he finished eight. Where did Lucas Glover finish, bud? Who I changed him for? <laughs> who? Where did? What did Lucas Glover do? He made an albatross. You ever made one of those, Lees? Oh, don't worry about that. I have made one of those. Peter, have you ever made one of those? Uh, does it count in putt putt on the par, par, par fives and the putt putt? Can I make it two? Doesn't I got count? one tross. No biggie. Xander would be one of the guys I would allow a sub for because I think Xander's he's a he's a big he's like big shot Bob. He shows up in the big scenarios. Um, and I think his game is just solid. From who's got bigger ownership this week, Kucher over Xander? Well, here okay. So we'll we'll finalize with this and then we can finish our lineup. I think the most heavily owned players this week are going to be Rory, Kucher, Stenson, and possibly Weisberger now, uh, just because he's so cheap and he's getting so much love in the markets. That might not be the case just because he's not a household name, but I have a lot of conviction that we're going to see high ownership on Rory, Rom, Kucher, and Stenson. I like leaving a lot of money versus leaving a hundred. Leaving a hundred with Xanders. I mean, I. I like let's, uh, let's stick with our first lineup, then. the one that we had. Let's leave 700 on the table and let's go to war. All right, we're leaving 900 on the table. Since we don't want to split it with all the listeners, all the listeners out there should take Xander. You should take, who else did we talk about? You, you want to take Adam Scott out of there, put Ricky in? You can do that, I, or Tommy Fleetwood. So the listeners can go differentiate amongst themselves. I, I'm sure we'll Venmo him some cash when we win the Millie, right? That's fair. Just hit up at Jason Sobel and at the Sleazy Man. Are you at Jason Sobel, T-A-N, Jason? I am. All right. So hit him up. Hit up at the Sleazy Man. Do not hit me up. I will not be sending you Venmo, but you heard it from uh, Sobel and Sleaze. They'll send you their life savings if we do win the million dollars. So how about that, boys? You guys good with that? Yeah. Let's uh, Just to review, we've got Patrick Cantley, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Matt Kuchar, Joaquin Neiman, Adam Scott, Matt Wallace. We've got three mats in the lineup. Is that too heavy on mats? Obviously, you don't want duplicates out there in the Millionaire Maker, but hopefully uh, that was helpful for you guys. And you can make a one-off change, and uh, hopefully one of us ship all the money this week. So we'll see. I'll let you guys get one final comment in. Um, I know we went over a lot, but final thoughts on the Open Championship before we get out of here. I can't wait. I'm going to wake up early. This is one of the very few over the last uh, 12 to 15 years that I haven't been at, and I'm, I'm okay with that. And uh, I love watching at home, especially if it's raining sideways and the wind is blowing. Uh, can't wait for this thing to get started. Um, and, and I sort of see this has been a gradual change in the guard for a long time. And uh, we get it. And those of us who uh, are betting on a frequent basis, who are looking at the fields, who are playing DFS, we kind of understand it. Guys, we just talked for, what, an hour? And tangentially mentioned Tiger Woods and didn't say a word about Phil Mickelson. Times have changed, and this is sort of the new era that we've gotten into, and it doesn't mean one of those can't be relevant, but, I mean, we just broke down an entire Open Championship for an hour and didn't even mention the two most popular players of the last quarter century. Times are changing. Um, Sleaze, your final thoughts? The torch is being passed. I think we've covered it all. I think we've covered it all in depth. The only thing I'm rooting for this week, other than Joaquin Neiman and Matt Kuchar, is absolute carnage in terms of weather. So I hope we get a vintage uh, open championship with just uh, sideways rain, players bitching, shooting 80. That's what it's all about. These guys make enough birdies throughout the year that they can tough, to, tough it out through one week of um, – of a dog shit weather. So hopefully we get some weather, but uh, it should be a fun one. A lot of unknowns out there this week. So it'll be cool. And along those lines, again, we will be doing a live show. We'll be tweeting it out uh, somewhere in like the seven to eight Eastern range. We'll have a definitive time tomorrow. So make sure to check that out. 
it'll be Drew, Jason, and I going over our final thoughts and, and getting more into the weather and some advantages in DFS and in the betting markets. So for Drew, for Jason, I'm Peter. Good luck this week at the Open Championship. Championship.